Sports Writer, Player of Games, Writer of Words, Recorder of Videos, and Tabletop Roleplaying Aficionado. Welcome to the Monday edition, the post-Thanksgiving edition, the Cyber Monday edition of my bi-weekly behind-the-scenes DM-only livestream, Crafting the Deep, in which I build, write, and prepare for our next session of Call from the Deep. If you're playing characters, Gottwald, Max, Sabra, or Toral, this is not the right stream for you, but the rest of you welcome. Of course, there will be some spoilers. We stream our D&D sessions live on YouTube every Friday. You can join our official Discord server with invite link in the description below. If you'd like to support the channel, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. For our campaign, we use roll20.net for streaming. I use OBS Studio. And for Thanksgiving dinner, we never eat stuffing. I have a, a brief rant about uh, Thanksgiving feasts. I do not like stuffing. My wife does not like stuffing. I think it's a bunch of bread chopped up into pieces and people think that's a side. I think that's bullshit. I don't just have rolls or something. It's possible I've never had good stuffing in my life. Uh, my mom was always a pretty good cook growing up, but uh, I never cared for it. And since uh, my family hosts Thanksgiving for like my folks and my sister and stuff, uh, we got to elect what the hell is served. And so I haven't had to have, I haven't had to endure stuffing for years. <laughs> Instead, we have uh, delicious brined turkey, and uh, my wife makes a amazing uh, mashed potato that that's like almost like a baked potato with like cheese and bacon and shit on it. Just absolutely decadent and fabulous. Although fun fact, uh, we were putting out all the food, and uh, everybody was you know sitting down and getting ready, and and we both looked at each other and we're like the eggs. She had hard boiled a dozen eggs to make deviled eggs. Uh, the night before, and they they were just still in the fridge. We just never prepared them or did anything with them. We had everything else set up. So that's a long way of saying that I had an egg salad sandwich for lunch, and we'll be having many egg salad sandwiches in my future, which I'm not that upset about. I, I do like I do like a good egg salad sandwich. Anyway, I hope everybody had a really great Thanksgiving holiday, um, it, or just a regular weekend if if you don't if you're not in the U.S. or something. Um, yeah, it was it was good for us, and uh, hopefully my internet remains stable because, holy crap, we've run into some annoying internet issues. I know I feel like I complain about internet like every other every other week. They are literally out on our street installing Fiberline. Another telco company is installing Fiberline all up in our neighborhood, and we're so excited we can't wait to jump ship because the one we have right now has been absolutely horrendous we eventually had to have a tech come out sunday at like 8 a.m to try and fix this weird problem we've had where it was like going up and then it would go down and then i'd have to reset the router it would go up and then it'd go down i i can't make heads or tails of it and we're paying you know we're paying for like the best internet we never get the the best speeds and now it literally after i complained to the patrons in the monday update video today there's a fly in here um it went down today for like half a day. So I'm already like super behind work and behind everything else and just very grumpy, grumpier than usual. So yeah, and it, it's cold outside also. That's why I'm in hoodie mode because it's 40 degrees. Other than that, things are going swimming and we're going to finally talk about some D&D, which I took a week off of uh, thinking about and preparing and playing. So we are going to... Uh, still talk about chapter one of Call from the Deep, which is the crash. We've kind of already broken down a lot about the crash site, which is the location that my players elected to go to next. Uh, so we can still talk about that. I also need to throw together Wreck of the Golden Crown, however, because the, even though they already have the Bronzo Mine location, the crash site will kind of unlock the shipwreck dungeon. So that one needs to be 
somewhat prepped to come after this one. Uh, just as a refresher to the crash site, uh, it is, of course, a Nautiloid. The players uh, will be able to metagame that pretty obviously, and we'll see how well they try not to metagame it, but instead, you know, just act like it's kind of a cool alien crashed vessel, a lot of dead bodies everywhere, crashed tentacles, everything. It looks like a metal ship, but it's actually chitinous, which I like that little detail. Um, it's got this poisonous gas cloud here the players can deal with. I think that'll be fun. A very Baldur's Gate slash Divinity style puzzle where you just see the hazard. You know, it's not like a trap ready to blow up. It's like it's already there, but the it, it's almost more of a puzzle that involves pain, <laughs> which is ubiquitous with d and I guess. Uh, so we'll see how they get past that. Or if they don't, maybe they decide to go around and try to slip through the, the crack here, which is only going to be available for small creatures, but that does include the Kenku, Toral, and Max uh, little pet Drake. So maybe they can work around that somehow. Maybe they maybe they can find controls inside. I haven't thought about that. I, I didn't think there was control. I thought it was just kind of a malfunction, um, kind of a byproduct of the ship's crash, and that's the reason that the, the gas is billowing out. I, I think they mentioned they might be able to... See, enter the record is going to DC 14 concert, become poisoned for an hour. And it also doesn't do damage. It just gives you the poisoned condition, which, granted, isn't great. I mean, it's disadvantage on ability checks, but it's. They might be picturing like a cloud kill spell or something like really nasty where it does straight poison damage. So it's actually not that bad. So I probably won't let them turn it off, but instead somebody's going to have to brave it and, you know, realize it's not going to be super damaging. Because once somebody does that and they figure out, oh, okay, we're not actually taking any damage. I could see them just trying to get through. They don't have a Mind Flayer head, but they do have somebody who can make an Investigation check. Or is it Arcana? Actually, I don't remember which one it is. Uh, or they can break it down using Athletics. I think it's... I think it's Investigation. Maybe it's under C4. I feel like the door should always be in the room that it is and not the room it's going to. Uh, intelligence check. Nope, not there. Uh, DC 8, okay, it's just a, yeah, it's just an intelligence check. DC 18, though. Although you fail it, you could end up with some madness. They do not have the Nox Bill available, so that's either that or, uh, the athletics check. If they fail both of those, they could be kind of in trouble, unless they have somebody, again, slip through here. But, the interesting thing is, the dungeon is not, uh, the, the ship, weirdly, is not the important part. You get some extra cool context for getting in here. You can confirm the fact that it's Mind Flayers and shit going on, and then you can get kind of a nice little cutscene uh, if you take out the, uh, whatchamacallit, the sci cranium rats, swarm of cranium rats in the pool. You get a cool cutscene that confirms the fact there's an Elder Brain that survived this fight, and now they've, you know, who knows what happened to him, I guess, um, in terms of what the players know. But the important context they get from this dungeon is actually outside, which we, we put all these little tracks out here. And it's the fact that the survivors went into the sea and into the nearby mine, which I guess they could decide, oh, well, let's just go back to that mine then because the sea is lost to us. But I want to try to make it obvious, like, no, there's like a ship uh, wreck out there. You can see the top of the mast. These tracks look like it's going to that. It's There needs to be a way to specifically convey the fact that that is an important location. Uh, and... And maybe if they even get up to the mine and they haven't gone to the shipwreck dungeon yet, I should make it even more obvious where once you like climb, maybe the mine takes a little bit of a you know, hop, skip, and a jump to climb up to the top of the cliff uh, 
the mine entrance, and then they have to see, they can see more of this shipwreck. Don't know how far down it's supposed to be. Oh, that's the very first sentence, Eric. 70 feet of water. Okay, well, hopefully they can just see more of the ship uh, when they're, I think, I think that's how it's originally written, I think, is that they can uh, see it from like the top of a cliff, from the northern cliffs of Gunderland, can just be seen beneath the crashing waves. The mass of the ship stick up above the the water surface. Those are some tall mass. And yeah, follow the swag and prints from the crash site with a successful DC 15 wisdom survival check. I'm not going to make that a check because I want that. That's the important dungeon they need to find. That's the critical one. Technically, these other two, the mine and the crash site, are both like they give further context to what's going on. But the like critical important step of the plot point, it lies in the the shipwreck. If for some reason they're obstinate about not exploring there, I've made it obvious, then I will have to move that critical point probably to the mine where it would make the most sense. But I really want them to do an underwater shipwreck dungeon because that just sounds awesome. So that's why we're not leaving it up to chance and a bunch of skill checks. Instead, it's going to be uh, pretty much a done deal that they will, in fact, find that. So if we have any questions or concerns about the Nautiloid... Well, okay, I've got one. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you, sir. The handsome man in the front row is clearly not a plant. Um, should we put a treasure in this ship? You know how much I love giving out treasure, and it feels weird that you've got this dungeon, which I just mentioned is sort of weirdly optional in terms of its exploration. Like the outside of the dungeon tracks are what's important. So if they go inside and they make it all the way to fighting the cranium rats, like the the reward they get is a cutscene of knowledge, which is fine. I mean, that's that can be a nice reward, but also a nice reward is actual treasure. And I feel like I've been kind of light on the players, frankly. In fact, I need to check my check my notes here. Man, they got a good chunk of their treasure from when I rolled that random table from the harpies. That was a good find for them. Uh, Sovra got her slippers of spider climbing from that. Uh, Twirl has a cloak of protection and that magic fisherman's hook spear thing I got. And then uh, Mac also has a plus one bow, though it's not an attuned item. I if I should. There's got to be a way. I want to attract magic items, but that aren't attunable. Maybe I'll put them in uh, parentheses or something. Because having magic items for... Uh, I don't want to do the laser thing again. <laughs> I literally did. That would be really funny, though, if they go into Nautiloid thinking, oh, shit, the last Nautiloid went into had a bunch of laser guns, and we should, you know, grab those. Like, it's too on the nose, right? <laughs> but what kind of treasure um, could you find? I think it does mention the fact that Mind Flayers use certain things. Uh, they will find, I think, some of it in the mine as well. Because... You have to assume that they... The, the the difficult thing is you have to assume that they salvaged everything they could from the site. So it kind of would be really tricky to narratively have an excuse for why there would actually still be treasure here. Because clearly they would have looted and grabbed everything of value on the way out of here. Although it still doesn't really explain why there's still a... Unless they had to leave in a hurry. Still a wounded Githyanki knight here. All these... Weeks later, some kind of a, okay, so like a minor, hell, we could combine those two ideas, Brandon and CG, we could, we could 
do uh, spell scrolls that are grenades. <laughs> and essentially, they would not require any kind of check at that point. You could do... In fact, what is what is a smoke grenade if not the fog cloud spell, right? You could you could come up with some interesting things like that. Maybe there's a little a little case that got down. And you, and you could make it an op optional thing. Maybe it's a, a chest that was tucked away that they just didn't quite think to grab. I just think, I don't know, going back to video game logic, right? Like you explore any site and I'm immediately thinking, all right, what's the reward here, right? It, I mean, obviously it's the experience, L literally the experience points, but also the just the fun of playing through this section. But also you, you want loot to show for it, right? For besting some difficult battles and going deep into an area. So I think that's where I'm coming from with this. So yeah, maybe like a like a chest somewhere with some interesting uh, one-use grenades or potions or something, just kind of like a bug-out bag or, or a bug-out bag that they couldn't quite uh, grab in time. And I would probably make them so that that has to be all the way in uh, the final room in C5. So they actually have to deal with the, uh, the cranium rat pseudo boss fight although the githyanki could be more difficult also i think we rolled stealth last time we sure did hoverboards pet tadpoles yeah additional tadpoles that you can consume to increase your tadpole skill tree so we rolled really poorly on the cranium rat stealth but rolled really well on the githyanki knight stealth uh which is those are two different rooms so that's going to be terrifying. This creature has a very good chance, unless people are actively, as soon as they get in the room, if they roll a perception check to like look around for any threats, uh, then we can go off that versus the passive perception. But this thing will otherwise get a surprise round. He, I mean, between you and me, he exists anywhere that I want him to ambush somebody at. <laughs> uh, and then he will come out terrifyingly swing at somebody, probably with advantage also if he's really surprising them. And damn near cut somebody down with his attack. In fact, I think we did a sample. Uh, actually, I think that was the that was the cranium rats, wasn't it? What was your attack like? So let's do a uh, a whispered roll for an attack. Always whisper rolls for the silvered great sword. Okay, a fourteen's not a great roll. I rolled. A five. Let's see if he has advantage. I rolled worse. I rolled a 5 and a 3. With his plus 9, that gives him a 14 and a 12. Uh, that's going to miss everybody except Sabra, I think. And chances are she's not the one in there. So that's not too terrifying. But if he did hit... 20 damage. That's pretty scary. At 4th uh, level. I'm kind of liking that I get the surprise round. Oops, I turned it off. Whisper too early tonight. That needs to be hid, hidden. Uh, it only has one attack. So no range attacks. I guess technically could use Misty Step or something to make it real freaky. But probably might want to decrease his hit points too. We'll see how he does. I don't... It, it just... This is one of those things that should be a terrifying, almost cinematic battle. And not like a long, protracted boss fight. So I may be very fluctuating with the hit points. Uh, like if he comes out and immediately down somebody and the players all do like good things, I, mean, I, like I really only want this to last like a round or two or something. Make him like heavily injured and nasty. But well, that should be pretty effective.
cursed scroll of summon rats. Mmm. That's a cool idea, Morgan. If you do the grenade thing, don't tell them what spells they do. Make them color-coordinated, some healing, some attack, let them figure it out. But what if the colors were all wrong? It's like that scene from Guardians of the Galaxy 3. They're like, no, blue means red, red means blue, yellow means orange. <laughs> like, what? What if the healing was... I was going to say red, but red almost makes sense. Green... Or blue. I could see healing either be red, blue, or green, actually, depending on the thing. Maybe healing is never purple. How about that? <laughs> healing is purple or pink. Yeah, that'd be pretty funny. So they're not a. So the grenades. Maybe you could allow, like, a uh, intelligence. I don't know. What would be identifying? Yeah, it could be intelligence. Like, tech objects. So you could do an intelligence check, try to figure out, like, at least is this offensive geared or defensive geared, or try to figure out exactly what you think this is going to do. But if you fail really bad at that check, you set off the grenade and it blows up in your face. Do you whisper to GM to have a log to go back to? Um, It, it actually does make a nice log, doesn't it? You can scroll up and still see it. It's more convenient than showing the hidden thing. Like I just did earlier with having the uh, the stealth checks and stuff. As much as it can be logged is really helpful because it's... You know, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but it can be tricky to remember what happened. Especially, shit, if you take a, a week off, uh, it can be hard to remember those things. And then obviously with the patron games, like really got to make sure the logs are very good with those. <laughs> and all the information is very up to date to remember all the things happening. Yeah, and I think we're going to put that in, uh, we'll put a little treasure pile in C5. Where they have to fight the Cranium Rats, which will not get their stealth check, so that will not be a surprise round. Uh, but it comes with, I think, or no, it's only if they touch the pool. Uh, characters, no, it is. Enter this area, must succeed on DC 11 Wisdom Simming to become frightened of the chamber for 10 minutes. So they would have disadvantage, essentially. And they wouldn't be able to move closer to the chamber. And then, so I could still get that effect off. So they'll they'll open the door to maybe take a step or two inside. I will make them roll the save. And at the same time, the rats, but they'll, the, the rats will be visible. They won't be able to get a surprise round. They'll be bursting out of the water. but I, I rolled pretty bad for the rats which I feel like is fair if I'm going to let the other guy get a surprise round then these guys will not so I do like that that comes with kind of a little thing that starts the battle is they have to make that save and if they fail by five or more they also develops a random form of short term madness which is similar to how Mac uh, treated the uh, the other fight we did at the end of last session with the burn turning into the deep scion flare Deep Flare, uh, where they had to also make a save against Short-Term Madness, and that time he did suffer for it, and was basically out of combat for two rounds, even though I was only going to kick him out of combat for one round. <laughs> so they'll be in a similar situation here. All 
Yeah, once they discover the tracks of the swag at the crash site, which again is outside of the dungeon, they don't actually have to go in the dungeon for it. They have a lead to go on. The tracks lead to the wreck of the Golden Crown, which is hopefully where they will go. No level ups yet either. We're going to do all of this whole island on fourth level. So that includes the two sessions they've already done, plus this crash site, which I'm thinking we could do this in a session. I mean, hell, we're going to start with them arriving here. So it's only four rooms, really three rooms. This isn't even a room up here. It's just the, the crack in the wall. <laughs> I'm sure they got well to be like, well, I want to try to pound and break this crack down, but I don't think that's going to be something he's going to be able to do. Versus being able to break through the door here. Yeah, only three rooms, two fights. I guess it depends on how these fights go. But I, I think we'll get through this whole crash site uh, in a session. And then from there, they could choose to go to the mine or the Wreck of the Golden Crown. But I think the Wreck is what we need to start talking about. Because the mine I've already got mostly set up. I still need to figure out some details here and there. But at least the map, the lighting, the tokens... Uh, are all mostly put together there, and we've kind of read through it and get the general idea there, which is this is where their armies were meeting. This was kind of their, like, above-water staging ground for the immediate area that they have since outgrown and moved on, and it'll definitely be a case of kind of like the, I don't know, the heroes showing up at what they think is the villain's lair, but it turns out the villain's army has already left the building, and they're they're going on to do their horrible thing, and now the player's like, oh, shit, now we got to go, like, thwart them and try to catch up to them. But there'll still be some enemies left for them to fight uh, at the mine as well. Uh, Eric, did you not even put Wreck of the Golden Crown on here yet? I sure friggin' didn't. Rats. Well, we've got the old map here, but we also need the new map. Uh, the new map I'm using is this one. I think this is going to be the best one to use. Uh, I think this is on the Discord as well as on Reddit's credits at Lauren the GM. There's only two maps I found, and this is one of them. And this looked like uh, this one looked more underwater than the other one, so I like the look of this one a little bit better because uh, part of running this campaign is going to be finding maps, unfortunately. Uh, I don't know what the dimensions of that are, but we can look and see what the dimensions of the original location is and assume it's going to be pretty similar. 27.5 by 31. 27.5 by 31. We do want the grid. We do want dynamic lighting barriers. Dynamic lighting is on. I don't think it's going to be sunlight because it's underwater. Although that's, I guess it's a good argument to make. If it's daytime, hmm. Well, it wouldn't be lit inside the thing. So even if I do have day, it would be uh, manual lighting outside. not have dimensions <sighs> Did I move my webcam over too far I feel like I'm bunched over to the left grab you over a little bit 
Uh, okay, now if we do fit to page, it should be appropriate, I think. So let's do fit to page. There's some extra space. Okay, let's see if that looks like that's about the same size. Uh, let's see. Ruler. So the ship itself, that's the easiest thing to measure, is 95 feet on the new one. Let's see what the old one is. Uh, it's about 110 feet. So I actually need to stretch it where it goes down to here. Maybe that'd be probably too far. Oh, yeah. That's a red cow. That was a fucking crazy thing that happened, wasn't it? A deep sea thing that... Uh, did they ever actually find anything from that? I know that we passed the window. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, that they're donezo. But I don't know if we ever got, or if we'll ever will find, like, fucking remains or anything. It... Water is crazy. It's crazy that it's almost easier to explore fucking space than it is the depths of our planet. Like, that's crazy to wrap your hand around. Like, water pressure is no joke. I know, it's everybody's bane. I rarely jack with it these days, but... It's... Because you will go insane. Stretching you out a wee bit. Okay, you still need to be a little bit longer. So it was, I think it was correct on the height, but the width wasn't right. For some reason. Stretch you one more. Uh, 70 feet was the answer. There we go. Okay, so yeah, the height was correct. Yeah, atmosphere pressure. That's nuts. I mean, we still haven't even explored, like, that far down, I think. Uh, let's see. I love water stuff. I find all that really interesting. 35 feet across. Okay, I think we've got our ship size. So now we go to the GM layer and we copy all the little W's. All the W's. Look at this garden of W's I'm planting. Also grabbed a giant lightning eel apparently. Okay, not all the things line up exactly, but pretty close. 
like it probably this last area. This is a big one. This is the big 15 room dungeon crawl and I'm excited about it, but I also don't remember enough of it. Oh, whoops, we grabbed some of it already. No, I guess we did grab all of it. Okay, I'm bad. Don't need to lock them for me, man. I'm the DM GM. I'll figure out if I need to. <laughs> if I need to be moving these around or not. I guess I can see why they do that. So if you put things on the GM layer, you're not accidentally clicking on that stuff. Let's see. I assume all this is lined up fairly correctly. Now the players don't have, ah, joy. yeah, that's the joke I was going to transition into, but big, uh, big Texas Rangers baseball fan, George W, by the way, attends lots and lots of games and was definitely there at the World Series. Uh, position three. Four, six, and seven. Where was that relative? Those must be on the other side. Uh, okay, four is the middle. Six and seven are kind of hanging out here in the between area. So I'll have to read to figure out what that deal is all about. Okay, so now that we've got the numbers on this one, that should make actually analyzing it a lot easier. Instead of having to flip back and forth. All right. Kalashite Galleon once used to transport goods from the Mine of Bronzo. Layering in the skeleton of the sunken ship are the Sawagan who have been terrorizing the islands. It's their home base. They pronounced their god Sekala in favor of a new patron, the Elder Brain Zelix Four, is correcting them through their connection with the wreck in Fiskerbach. The Swagan were the first creatures to investigate the crash, where they discovered alien technology beyond their comprehension, including a shield of far sight. You know, it might be interesting if I put tracks going to and from the water. Uh, that might add. Would that be too confusing? That might add some additional context. Can we even like tell? Might make it obvious maybe. Since that is kind of a interesting bit of reasoning and lore, there's no way tracks would be this close to the water though. Get washed away, you fools. Okay. I wonder if anybody came out of this explosion. There's no tracks there or not. I don't think so. Now I'm just having fun putting fucking tracks everywhere. <laughs> Painting the tracks. All right. 
Enough of the damn tracks. Back to the wreck. Uh, discovered anything ought to be on their comprehension, including a shield of far sight. Through this, the mind flayer has been silently controlling the Sawagan. The Sea Devil has been taking captives and delivering them to the crash site. I'm yeah, I think it. They mean to say uh, the Bronzo Mine, where the mind flayer Thiliosk retrieves them for their grisly experiments. Well, maybe they do put them to the crash site then, and for some reason Thilios. So maybe they don't allow the Sawagan into the mine. Why is that Githyanki Knight hanging around inside there? Then I don't know. I feel like these details are a little hand waved, <laughs> a little much. To reach the wreck proper, the characters must find a way to descend beneath the waves to a depth of seventy feet, where the skeleton of the Great Galleon lies. Which underwater combat rules absolutely apply. So, what do they have? Toral is a fathomless warlock. I'm pretty sure he can breathe, uh, swim, do everything in water. I mean everything. Beyond that, I believe Mac can hold his breath for an hour, and Sovra can hold her breath for 15 minutes. Um. Yeah, and then they do. Now they did end up with some potions of uh, water breathing. I think they have at least two. So if we're assuming that, then assuming they do Gottwald and Savra, that means all of them could descend into the water, but they're on a time limit for poor Mac, who would only be able to hold his breath for an hour. Now, that wouldn't even fuck up their short rest because we have a, a rule where short rests only take 10 minutes. You know, combat goes pretty quick, but certainly time would add up and be a factor. So that would be kind of an awkward situation for sure in terms of their breathing capabilities. By the time they reach the wreck, they should be fourth level, giving them access to spells such as Alter Self, Treasure from the Gallows, Grotto, or Bronzo, or Potions of Water Breathing. Yeah, if they had gone to the mine, they would get another, at least one more piece of treasure that would allow them to breathe underwater. Uh, I did skip the Gallows Grotto, which means they do not have, uh, I think it's a Cloak of the Manta Ray here. Yeah, which, that's a good one. I haven't put that anywhere. The cloak with its hood. It doesn't even acquire attunement. You can breathe underwater in a swimming suit of 60 feet. Uh, pretty damn good. Almost too good <laughs> for this specific campaign. Excuse me, I just had to sneeze real bad. See the crabs. They swim down to the wrecks. Actually, take less than an hour of in-game time. So a single po. Oh, that's true. The water breathing only does an hour anyway. So they would all be under a timer. This section should take at least less than an hour of in-game time. So I guess that's when our short rest thing really comes into play. They would not feel like they would be able to short, or they couldn't short rest at all. Uh, but now with our new rules, they could short rest and still be on their hour time limit. Which is fine. I mean, I, the exoticness of doing the water, I think, is good enough versus worrying about the breathing element. Like, fucking, I hated having to worry about taking a breath in water levels of video games, like, so much. 
and then bless like was the mario games that just like let you do water levels and like oh yeah just enjoy the platforming and not have to worry about it not to have that anxiety of like running out of air Items made of organic material, rotted, chests are filled with water, metals have tarnished or rusted for over a century. Jeez, this ship's been down here. Structural integrity of the ship is compromised. Treasure items the characters find in the wreck are worthless and they can be restored using appropriate tools or spells. The wreck of the Golden Crown is a centuries-old shipwreck which lies off the north coast of Gundolin. The following features are common throughout the ceiling. Height below deck is six feet. The wreck is surrounded by frigid water. Tracking in game time is difficult. Time the characters make their con-saving throws after every other encounter. Creature immersed in frigid water for a number of minutes equal to its constitution score before suffering any ill effects. Each additional minute spent in frigid water. Minutes? Every minute equal to its constitution score. Yikes. So that's on average between like 10 and 18 minutes. Must succeed on DC 10 con-saver gain a level of exhaustion. Oh boy. Creatures with resistance to immunity or immunity to cold damage automatically the same thing as the creatures naturally adapted to living in ice cold water. You're telling me all these Sawagan live in ice cold water. That is a nasty extra effect then. After every other encounter, everybody has to make a DC 10 con save or gain one level of exhaustion. Oof. Outer areas of the wreck are immersed in clear water and dimly lit by natural light. Okay, so it does say there is some light. Characters in these areas can see up to 30 feet, except where noted otherwise in the text. All their areas are unlit and submerged in dirty water. Each time the characters attempt a short or long rest, a long rest underwater, roll a d20 and a roll of five or higher, they're attacked by Sawagan, Reef Sharks, or Hulking Crab. Wow. So it's supposed to be a 75% chance of getting an encounter, even if you just short rest. But again, that's with old short rest as rules as written. Ours are much faster. I don't think I would ever throw an encounter on the players during a short rest. I can't imagine ever being, ever having balance to where I have to throw an encounter at them just for them short resting. Character can destroy a five-foot section of wooden wall by attacking it. I wouldn't think anybody would think of that. All areas save area W21 are submerged in water. The rules for underwater combat apply. Which is big. When making a melee weapon attack, creature doesn't have a swimming speed. Has disadvantage in the attack roll unless the weapon is a dagger, javelin, short sword, spear, or trident. A ranged weapon attack automatically misses the target beyond the weapon's normal range. And within normal range, attack roll is disadvantage. Unless the weapon is a crossbow, a net, or a thrown weapon like a javelin. Javelin becomes king of the water weapons. And creatures and objects fully immersed in water have resistance to fire damage. So all of that will apply throughout this dungeon. I guess they would have all kinds of entrances too. Just sort of picks an area to start in, but I would imagine uh, this is the top of the ship on the left side. So they would presumably drop in any one of these areas. I'm trying to figure out. So I think this is the door here. I might have to actually look at the original one to see where the dynamic lighting is. 
Okay, yeah. Doors in the middle, stairs. Uh, or no, stairs won't lead. They lead down or up? But then there's just a giant, you know, hole right here. You can just go in pretty much anywhere. There's just a wagon sitting on the top. Everywhere. Worth just grabbing all these guys and doing a copy-paste job. My pretties, come into the ship. Yeah, there's a freaking wizard here. They stole, like, his staff and gave it to the baddies. <laughs> a gem of seeing. It's actually pretty useful. True sight out to 120 feet. Coach Mraz. Um, a large item. Discover Hoach Mraz's spell book. The glyph of warding is its cover. The creature other than Hoach Mraz opens the book. The stone-shaped spell is released from the glyph, causing a granite spine to transform into manacles and clasp around the triggering creature's wrist. Shack at the creature's speed is reduced 10 feet and cannot use its hands. Opening the spell book causes Hoach Mraz to attack. Pile of dirt atop the bed is humanoid in shape. Beneath his Hoch Mraz, next any creature disturbs him from a spell book. Oh, so he's actually a corpse. Okay, I thought it was a ghost. He flees from the shipwreck, heading toward Proproxus to recover his staff of the Magi. That's a long time to make him come back, though. Hoch can appear later in the adventure of Proprox, where Deep Lord Ingramar, head of the Kraken Priest Elders, has his staff. Does it actually say in that chapter, like, does include him reappearing. In other words, I think this is an opportunity for us for a social situation, oddly enough. But I guess he's a He's undead. I mean we've gotta let people just speak underwater, right? If if you've got a potion of water breathing, maybe it lets you speak underwater. I feel like that has to be able to happen here. What stab block is he? Is he like uh he's a revenant? Maybe? Does Revenant have the Let's see? Has the vengeful glare and stuff? Indeed it does. Okay, so he's a revenant with uh spells. Yeah. Revenant is a CR7, and he's a 9th level spellcaster. This is still for 4th level, by the way. Because he basically can't die unless he takes fire or radiant damage. And guess what? Fire, people wouldn't think to use fire underwater. Dude's got fireball, greater invisibility, ice storm, counterspell, cone of cold. Please. He also has a ring of swimming and a ring of spell turning. Wow, okay. I, I see this as an opportunity to, like, kind of show off how strong he is, although they've, they've also fought probably stronger things. But this is a chance 
In fact, if he is a revenant, knows yeah, the distance of any creature against which he seeks revenge, which would be the creature who stole his staff. But in which case, why is he after that creature immediately? Why did he just wake up now when the players disturb him? Like, none of that really makes sense. Electrobite, you're only level four. Yeah. Right? Like, why? Why would he wake up now? Why not? When his staff was t uh, taken. Staff of the Magi, which is a huge thing. Which the Lizard Wizard would love to get her hands on this thing. Hmm. Also, I like the idea of uh, having a a unique cursed spell book. I keep thinking of the spell book from Hocus Pocus that's like kind of sentient. Uh, and, get, and making that like uh, Sabra's kind of signature item thing could be pretty cool. Maybe the book wants to like get away from him because he's a nasty undead revenant. And they're like, all right, keep the book, but I'll cover my stat. No, I can't do it because if he knows, if he knows where the staff is, that means he's going towards the final act. So you can't have the players like follow him or ugh. this is slightly problematic. Uh, Plot-wise, flees from the shipwreck, heading toward Purple Rocks to recover his staff of the Magi. Which can appear late in the adventure of Purple Rocks. He floored Ingramar, head of the Kraken Priest, Elder has his staff. Uh, so just have him... What does he know? Does he know anything? Hmm. I could do some interesting things here, but I feel like it's a little underdeveloped. Oh yeah, they only have X amount of date. Because they're like created from that actual event, aren't they? Hoach, where are you? I don't know if it says in the actual stat block. Well, no, it's that block issue talks about Hoach Moraz. Uh, I was a Calcite wizard looking to make his fortune in the mining industry in the island of Gunderland. He's aboard the Golden Crown, a treasure vessel headed back from the mines of Bronzo when a vicious storm struck the coast and sunk the ship. Since the Swagan have taken up post on the shipwreck, Hoach has been stirring in his watery grave. The mage is close to an undead reanimation, and he won't be happy to discover his staff of the Magi are missing. Okay, so maybe he's only just created recently maybe when somebody grabs his spell book that's what actually triggers him to be animated in fact i believe that's what the designer is getting at here and then leave it up to a dc 15 investigation check to find it hell no although it also begs to the fact of why the so Wagon haven't gone in here. Maybe they sense kind of an evil lingering presence or something. But uh, I, I like that idea of doing something cool with the spell book. Making it actual like interesting sentient item. 
and having it um and, and having this Hoach Miraz character who of course needs a token because doesn't have a proper one. Maybe start off as a little bit of a fight, but also turn into a social encounter or just make it a social encounter if the players want to play it that way. I think that would be uh more interesting here. Okay, so it makes more sense that he's just recently being animated when the players take the spell book, but then he also realizes his staff is gone. And that the ship is full of swagin. The players will be like, alright, well help us uh, help us take out these swagin. And then what do I do? Have him just like swim off or something? He's got that ring that I guess lets him or maybe he'll cast a spell. Maybe I'll have him cast a spell. That's the DM's way of like, don't follow him. <laughs> yeah, I, I could use this, but I think I think it has to be more of a social encounter versus a combat encounter. But you could have you could do something fun, like whenever somebody picks up the spell book, he animates and maybe he casts. I don't know, a fucking Cone of Cold would probably be the most scary thing when he pops out. But then immediately starts trying to converse. Maybe he realizes he already survived the Cone of Cold, or some people have survived it. So instead of going into combat, he kind of yells at the... Yells at everybody. I don't know. Do you think I get away with that? Like, cast a, cast a spell but not put anybody into combat right away? That'd be a tricky, <laughs> a tricky thing to pull off. I don't know if I've done that before. I know we've been in the middle of a social encounter and obviously gone to combat or done something that was even combat. Like if you're talking to a dragon, you piss the dragon off, the dragon like, you know, rakes you with his claws and then we don't immediately roll initiative necessarily. But have we done something where it starts off with somebody like waking up going into combat and it's not the players who immediately say, wait, 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 wait let me talk, but it's actually the DM's creature who says, um... All right, now, I don't know why he would stop. I know he just he just kind of pauses and realizes, oh, you're a bunch of filthy adventurers and looters. Now, where's my staff or something? Like, like he'll he'll kind of put them in a state of like, tell me what I need to know or I'll do this again. But maybe if I don't push the initiative thing, they won't necessarily go to combat right away. Uh, let's say the Swagin stole the staff. Well, Swagin took up... Oh, this has more information. Okay. Uh, I'm just going to have to water grave. This has been the case for the past several decades. Driven insane by the middle of the afterlife. When Swagin took up occupancy of the Golden Crown, they quickly discovered that Hoch Maraz was not to be disturbed and chained up his quarters so he would not remain where he was. Okay. So the... I miss the fact that his quarters were chained up. I don't think it says anywhere in here that the quarters were chained up. Maybe <laughs> yeah, I missed it. It's possible I missed it. The characters disturb Moraz. He immediately attacks them without thought. If they have stolen any of his possessions, he tracks them to the ends of the earth to recover them, hoping that their deaths may free him from undeath. Once awakened, he becomes aware that his staff is missing and blames the characters. It requires a successful DC-10 persuasion check to convince Mraz the party has not got it. In which case, they may find themselves with a new ally eager to recover his lost staff. I'm not going to give the players a fucking undead revenant. That's bananas. Or is it? 
Staff was given to Zelix 4, pass a Deep Lord Ingramar, and by retrieving a staff from Ingramar, will Hold Runners be allowed? Enter the afterlife as a destiny from the beginning of time. Unless Oaks has been brought back from the dead, he bequeaths the staff of the Magi to one of the characters. Man, that's a cool arc. That's actually a pretty badass side quest. Uh, but I'm nervous about giving the players... Because, Lord, they have allied with everybody. <laughs> you know, there's some parties who would not ally with an undead revenant. But I feel like uh, this party absolutely would. But this is also be like the strongest NPC I've ever given them. Now, granted, he would be also a total dickhead. And not deign to like help anybody that doesn't help get his staff back, but... Damn. I guess he doesn't actually get his abilities because he has to swear vengeance <laughs> on the targets to actually up his special abilities. I feel like his CR value actually then changes. Although he still has all his freaking spells, he's also just a wizard. He's an undead wizard who's not technically a lich. Alright. So automatically, there's a lot going on in that first room. I'll make margaritas out of you. <laughs> so that's all at the stern of the ship? Is that the rear? Front of the ship has two Sawagan manning the ballista. Huh, they actually work. Alright, despite being there submerged, the weapons are perfectly functional. The characters first encounter the ballista, they are already loaded and aimed. Ha! So their first thing when they actually go down to the ship will be these ballistas. Swagging, many of the ballistas firing off at them. Alright, that's actually pretty cool. So that's these guys here. So they have to deal with that as they're coming down. And I don't believe water breathing gives you a swim speed, so they're going to be in all kinds of disadvantaged territory here. On the deck are four Sawagan and two Sawagan Raiders. Accompanying the Sea Devils are two Reef Sharks. That's a lot of dudes. Holy moly. For the first encounter? That's a, yeah, that's a lot. Because there's two up here, which are essentially in the same area. There's Manning the Ballistas during this fight. Of which there are four other Sawagan. So basically six Sawagan, two Sawagan Raiders, which are at higher CR, and then two Reef Sharks. Of course, they're all armed with tridents and spears. Wow. They aim to take captives. The party is knocked unconscious. They woke up hours later in Area W15. So this would be an interesting, rare, unique situation where the players can actually... Uh, lose a fight and it's not a TPK. It just becomes a slightly different adventure. A slightly different dungeon crawl. Alright, so that top, this whole top is just one big-ass battle. And I think they said they had 30 feet visibility. So basically it would start combat within 30 feet. With them maybe above and assuming they're, a, you know, on the top going down. Oh god, I gotta figure out 3D combat in roll 20. This is gonna be a nightmare. <laughs> you don't wanna deal with a Z axis. Son of a gun. This could be crazy. I guess you just treat it like 
everybody had various flight elevations. But that's still going to be kind of a nightmare. <laughs> Several doors lead out of the middle deck. A little light penetrates down here, eliminates a wall of murky water. Just W5 on the lower deck. Stores. W7. We already go to the lower level then. Six and seven. So these are all supposed to be the little rooms to the side, I think. There's a giant octopus in the galley. Kind of random. And a giant lightning eel in another room. Eel's hollow. So that's in number eight. Place is crawling with monsters. Swagon quarters, W10, W11 is the Baron's quarters. The door is a mimic. The door is a mimic. You know, we've played a lot of D&D over the years, and I've never, I think you can pull this off once in your D&D with this, with one group. <laughs> Is this the time I want to do this? Where the door is a mimic in an underwater shipwreck dungeon. Mimic with a 15 foot swim speed and the water breathing trait. Yeah. Swag and their allies know this, but Karg the Baron tolerates its presence as a deterrent to intruders. Karg knows that feeding the mimic fish causes it to move, leaving the door frame empty. That's hilarious. One time. You get away with that one time. Karg is the Baron, the boss. 12 is the treasure room. It's a swarm of quippers remain in the room. It basically just threw every like water creature in all these rooms. Three potions of healing, two potions of greater healing, and a potion of animal friendship. Second contains a bunch of money. Third contains a suit of leather mariner's armor and a cube of force belonging to Hochmaraz. The cube is broken but can be repaired by a spellcaster for 500 gold pieces. Huh. Interesting. And I believe there's captives in W15. This place is scary. This is going to be a very tricky, interesting dungeon. I mean, just getting down here... Thankfully, now that I look at the rest of it, it's th th this initial battle is like a fucking battlefield war zone. Uh, but then as they explore, it becomes more of a traditional room-to-room -room dungeon crawl. But geez, this one fight is going to be... I mean, that could take a whole session almost with the amount of creatures and 3D combat and things going on. But I, you, you start everybody like, all right, you're all 30 feet up, assuming you all descend at the same time. And then these creatures are all... I don't know, various elevations swimming around the ship, like, once they start combat? Gosh. And yeah, you have to really start thinking in 3D. It's gonna be, it's gonna be tricky. Yeah, I like the grenade, grenade idea. Token mark of the number of cubes there, but yeah, I think that's the best thing to do. Oh, I see. Counting it by number of five foot squares versus the actual feet elevation. 
not a bad idea if we can all wrap our head around that that change then yeah but uh this is <laughs> this will be the big thing where if dnd beyond and, and wizards can get their shit together and come up with a nice 3d you know video game ass looking uh tabletop digital tabletop presentation suite thing etc etc corporate words etc then that would be something to win me over because then you could you know have it look like you know Solasta or something and have the actual 3d battlefield work like like in cubes like it should work for a tabletop and that would be fantastic for running more complicated combat structures and you could run more complicated things like Baldur's Gate does where it's a lot more verticality and it just gets a little bit more interesting dynamics. I mean, we've got the tools, we've got the technology, we should be able to get that done. But I think for now, that is going to do it for this Monday edition of Crafting the Deep. If you enjoy the content, please check out patreon.com slash roguewatson. Check out, or shout out, sorry, to Platinum Patrons, Joe Will, Thomas, Stan, Brandon, Zander, Zander. Also check them out. David Eclectic, Roleplay Roll, Christopher Corey, Co-1337, Big Nut, John F., John L., Scott, Eric, Tyler, Nathan, Camp Crystal, Counselor, Andrew, Daryl, The Reldron, Captain 2079, Stephanie, Andy, Patrick, and Jason. And Gold Patrons, RPG, Papercrafts, Pretty Boy, and Yuma, Dead Lizard, Lion, Sam, Lopez, Buds, Jerome, Nathan, Fessica, Tortoise, Scott, Ruffus, Carolyn, Jerry, and Thomas. Thank you all very much for your support. I will see you for another crafting episode on Thursday.